0: Hey guys, you got Christina Gilchrist here, also known as the Dialysis Warrior Blind Chick, and I'm here with my moosey boy, my moose, the Palmski service dog, and
1: hey, uh, what about me?
0: Oh yeah, Michael Gilchrist is here, the
1: caretaker,
0: and this is Living on Dialysis podcast.
1: And this is a disclaimer: we are not doctors. This is just the opinion of Living on Dialysis Facebook group. And always follow up any advice you have with your team and your doctors. And again, this is just an opinion. So if you don't like it, tell me yours. Bye. Alright guys, this is Michael. And Christina. And this is uh, Living on Dialysis podcast.
0: And today we are super excited to talk to Angel Duncan. She has an amazing accent, so I'm super excited to hear her tell her her story. So, Angel, are you ready? Sure. All right, go ahead.
2: I am 47 years old. I am located in Northern California in Sacramento. And I'm from North Carolina, that's why I talk with the little plane. I have polycystic kidney disease, and I found out when I was around 23 years old after I had given birth to one of my children, oh wow! I, I had a cramp in my side, oh. or what I thought was a cramp. And it hurt really bad for like three days, and finally I was just like, I gotta go to the emergency room, I can't take it anymore. So, I went to the emergency room, and the doctors asked me if I knew that I had kidney disease, and I was like, uh,
0: (laughs) no. Oh, my goodness.
2: Uh, I had no idea. And he was like, do you have high blood pressure or anything like that? I said, yeah, I've been taking blood pressure medicine since I was about 14 years old.
0: Oh, goodness.
2: And he was like, well, we're going to set you up with a nephrologist in the next couple of days. You really need to be seen."
1: So did they associate the kidney disease with your high blood pressure? No. No, okay. They did
2: not when I was younger because no one in my family had ever had that problem. They just attributed to the fact that I was on the go all the time. I was constantly going and I drank Pepsi like it was water. (sighs) Like I drank more Pepsi than anybody under the sun. So they just kind of talked it all up to that because other than that it was pretty
1: healthy okay wow, wow. <laughs> so, so so with the with the pepsi thing and all that stuff did they did they say you had diabetes too or just the kidney I disease not ha-
2: i'm actually the opposite um, wow okay I have, yeah i am hypoglycemic my a1c is 4.3 <laughs> so it's very That's, low wow. I, have to, I have to you know i have to Make, I have to set my clock to make sure that if I don't eat a lot, to make sure that I'm drinking something sugary or eating some candy or something. Oh,
1: wow. Okay.
2: Yeah. I am a lucky person who I do not have the diabetes with the rest of my issues. That's the first question people ask me when I tell them I'm on dialysis. Oh, you have diabetes? No. Right,
1: right. I get
0: the same thing.
2: I'm like, why do people attribute just? There are over 100 kidney diseases that people can have. Yeah. Diabetes is just one that affects your kidneys.
1: Right.
0: It's just a pretty common one.
2: It is. But once I found out that I had the polycythic, when I went to the nephrologist, he explained to me what it was and told me that my kidneys would just eventually get bigger and bigger and bigger. And boy, was he not lying. Aww. My kidneys are look like I'm carrying twins. Really? I'm, I'm, I'm very small everywhere else except my abdomen, and my kidneys are one of them is 29 or 30.9 centimeters, and the other one is 30.8 centimeters. Plus, I do PD dialysis, so
1: whew, my yeah. bed is all
2: swollen up. <laughs>
1: So, do you have any kidney function right now?
2: I have very little. Um, my my creatinine is like twelve seven twelve twelve point seven five. Okay. So it, it's very minimal. Like, yeah, I I might have about a quarter, may, maybe half a cup of urine output a day. Okay. Sometimes okay. more, sometimes less.
0: I gotcha. Yeah.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: But I mean, it's not bad. Um, so are the, your will your kidneys eventually just because I know with me, my kidneys eventually shriveled up and now they're like the size of quarters. Will your kidneys no, mine
2: will just continue to get bigger. Big, big. so,
0: so, so will mine, they? Will they have to remove them?
2: Yeah, mine have to come out before I can get the get a kidney. Okay, mine, there there's no room in there for a third kidney. Hmm. Not even in my my kidneys are so big, they go down into my pelvis where they would generally put the third kidney. So yeah. there's no room there for it and they have to take it, take them out. Huh. So my surgery will be, I need, typically I need a living donor. Yeah. So they can schedule it all at the same time.
1: What? Yeah,
0: that makes sense.
1: Okay, yeah. so do they associate your kidney disease with your kidneys growing like that?
2: Yeah, well, it, kidney. When you have PKD, your kidneys get these cysts on them, and those cysts are they just grow on top of each other, so it, it makes the kidney get bigger.
1: Okay. This is what
0: um, Uncle
1: Jim.
2: Uncle Jim
0: has. Okay. So, are you the first one in your family to have this, or
2: I am? I am the genetic mutation. Mm-hmm. I had a. I had to have. What's it called? Geneticist done. Yep. Genetic testing done. Mm-hmm. And I am the first in my family to
1: have had it. Okay. Huh. I, well,
2: I have three children, and one of them ha- has it. The girl has it.
1: Oh goodness! So is it showing up on her yet? Or
2: um, she's twenty-two years old. Well, she'll be twenty-two years old next week. And the only issues she has is she has weight gain. Yeah. But she she also has, which this also is very, very common in people who have polycystic kidneys, she also has um, polycystic ovaries. Oh, so, my goodness. Yeah, some of the problems that you have when you have that is you have jawline acne real bad, and that's the only issue she has.
0: Wow. Huh. Is she going to be able to have, like, kiddos or? Um,
2: uh, I'll I'll well, she,
0: I'm sure she can but she doesn't want me. Huh. I got you. Okay. She, she
2: doesn't want to, well
0: Okay. There you go. She's,
2: she's one of, she's a thrill seeker.
0: Ah, that's cool. So,
2: she's, she's all about herself right now, and I'm okay with that. She's, she's a, she's a senior in college in North Carolina, and,
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, she works all kinds of jobs. She works DoorDash. She does, um. She works at like a, it's like a YMCA, but not a YMCA. Oh, okay. And she works uh, at a shoe store. I can't remember what kind of shoes it is. Fans, like, you know what I'm talking about? Bands, tennis shoes. Yeah. -hmm. That's what she works. She works at a band store.
1: So when you first got introduced to knowing that you were going to have to do dialysis and stuff like that, can you tell us that process a little bit?
0: And how your kidney function was at that time.
2: Um, when I moved to California, I was like stage three um, in my failure process. And I started, I started getting, I, I couldn't sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, I don't understand why I can't sleep because I never had a problem sleeping before. And I was thirsty all the time. like, I could just drink gallons and gallons and gallons of water, which I still can. And I was like, I I went to the nephrologist, and I was like, why am I like this? He said, this happens a lot of times in this part of kidney failure. And he said, it it will get worse before it gets better. But he said, when it starts getting worse, you won't want to drink all that water. Yeah. Because you will start like being waterlogged it'll fill you up and you can't get rid of it yeah that's i never had that problem personally um i did want to stop drinking the water though because it did feel waterlogged
0: yeah
2: i um i i started getting sick real bad like sick to my stomach the first time i was on dialysis Well, I mean, I was sick to my stomach all the time, and I had these just incredibly bad headaches. And the doctor brought me in, and he said, well, he said, your labs are kind of bad. He said, I think it's time to start dialysis, and I I think my GFR was like 11 at the time.
0: Yeah.
2: So they started, they did a fistula on my left wrist. Now, I'm only five feet tall. I'm a very small person. I wear children's size watches. <laughs> and, I mean, I'm just very small. So, when they put the fistula in, he said, I'm very sure it's going to work. It never had a thrill. Never, ever. huh? Ever.
0: Oh, goodness. And he
2: said, you know what? He said, I'm positive I can get it on the right side. I'm right-hand dominant. So, he really didn't want him to do it over <laughs> there. But I was like, okay, whatever. So, I let them do it on that side three weeks later. So, here I am with my left arm already bandaged up, and I'm going back to have the right one done. And he said the right one had a thrill when I come out of the emergency room. The nurses said, or out of the operating room, the nurses said it had a thrill. I came home, and, you know, when you get them, you kind of swell up, so it's hard to feel. I, I listened to it with a stethoscope. I never heard it ever but they said it was there, but I never heard it. So we're going to say it wasn't there.
0: So you never felt it either?
2: Neither one of them.
0: Okay. Huh.
2: So okay. Then, let's see. I got that one, the first one, and then the second one three weeks later. I got the next graft um, four weeks later.
0: Oh, my so goodness, I girl.
2: Got, yeah. I got the graft in my left arm. And when I tell you my arm swelled up, I ain't even kidding. My arm was about three times the size it normally was, and but it had a thrill, and I was so excited, and it kept a thrill for about eight months. Okay. And it we used it, and it did real good, and then died, and I was going every every four or five treatments to have to have it declotted. Oh, wow. and have oh, you ever wow. had that done? Yeah. I don't know about you, but, and I have a pain tolerance like nobody's business. I gave birth three times with no drugs.
0: Wow, very
2: impressive. So <laughs> when, when I tell you that the d procedure hurt me to the point that I screamed, Aww. I'm not kidding, I cried. And the second time I had to have it done, I wouldn't go. I was like, "No, I'm not gonna do it. I can still use the bathroom. I'm good. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna, you know, die." Right. So after about six days, he was like, "You have to get it done, or it's not gonna get accomplished." I said, "Okay." So I went and had it done. And at that point, they knew that I was really upset. They gave me so much medicine that it I was, was gonna cool. say, "Why didn't they knock you out?" <laughs> They did that. They didn't knock me out. But I sure didn't feel no pain. Oh,
0: well, there you go. All well, right. good.
2: And I had I had that one done uh, about eight more times to the point where the doctor said you can't take any more. Your arm is done. You can't. It, it, I'm not going to do it anymore. So they put the the catheter in my neck. It was in there two days and fell out. Holy
1: <laughs> fell shit. out. Okay.
2: It fell
1: out, so I had to go back and get another one. So, when when it just fell out, I mean, did you cough and it popped out, or did you just fall out?
0: it on something? I was asleep, and I woke
2: up, and there it laying on the bed. Really? Oh, my goodness. No blood, no nothing, just laid
0: there. Huh. Okay. (laughs) Your body's like, no, thank you.
2: Yeah, it was like, no, thank you, Exactly i went to the emergency room and they looked at it and they were like did you pull it no nope. like, how did it come out i don't know it just came out <laughs> so they replaced it and i had dialysis in the hospital that day and i came home and then that one irrit- Oh, it can't it didn't come out but up top you could see it like I don't know how to but the plastic part of it was sticking out of the top of my neck or, you know, in the insertion spot. Really? It was like, yeah. Out here, they don't um, stitch them.
0: So, he's like,
2: I have to replace it. So, here I go again for the third one. And the third one irritated my neck real bad. Mm. I have red hair, so everything irritates my skin. Everything, yeah, and where it was had my skin so irritated, they was afraid I was going to get an infection. I mean, it was itching, I was wanting to just claw my skin out.
0: Oh, my goodness! So they
2: took it out, and I said I stayed in the hospital for like eight days so they could keep a check on me, like I wasn't gonna, you know, swell up and die like a big blueberry. Oh, my goodness! So they went out. If you think you can deal with life without dialysis, let's just not put another one in and let you heal up.
1: Oh, I was like, really? I like, I'm okay
2: with that. Yep. Yeah. So, for two years, I didn't have anything. Nothing. And in 2018, I moved back to the East Coast to take care of my mom. And it got to where I couldn't even walk to my car without being out of breath. Oh, no. Yeah, I wasn't swelling up or anything. I just couldn't breathe. Yeah. And I came back home in November when my mom died, and um I was like, I think it's time to go ahead and get my dialysis stuff going. Yeah. So I went in for another graft on my arm. I can't remember which one that was, which number that was.
0: Oh my goodness. I
2: think, it, well it was the last one and we had the graft done and I waited like two or three months to start my treatment and I went into my old clinic and started my treatment. I did two treatments and I clotted. Oh no. So, and I've already been through all kinds of um, tests to see if I have a, a clotting disorder or not. I just clot really easily. Wow. And I had that done. I went to have the clot procedure, and it hurt so badly. And it took, you know, normally they don't take but about 30 minutes to do. Wow. I was in the operating room for four
1: hours. So, So people know. So why does it hurt so bad? Do you know?
2: I have no idea why it hurts so bad. It's like. When the, I think it's when they put the balloon in there that makes
0: it hurt so well, bad. Well, and the balloon is, like, lined with razors. So, you're you're causing damage in there while oh, yeah. you're getting it done. Okay.
1: yeah. All right. I've I I just sure never... I, I've heard of the process. I've just never looked into it. So, okay. All right. So, pretty the, much they the just scraping your too. vein. When they
2: put that dye in there, that's kind of what hurts, too. Okay. So... They gave me more drugs. He said, and this is exactly what the doctor said. He said, you've had so much medicine, I cannot give you any more. He said, you've had more, I think, fentanyl. He said, you've had more fentanyl than Michael Jackson did when he died. He said, I cannot give you anything else. Wow. Okay. I said, okay. He said, I can't. He said, I'm just going to stop. He said, I can't get it fixed. I said, okay. So... I didn't know what the plan was. My nephrologist is great. He came and sent me in the hospital, and he was like, I'm just going to send you to the um, the general surgeon, see if he can put a PD cath in you. Okay. He said, I don't think we can, but I'm going to see. So I went and seen a different surgeon than I seen the first time. who told The first one told me I couldn't do it. So I went and seen this other one, and he said, yeah. He said, I have a robot, and he said, that robot can do it with no problem. Wow. So on my birthday, here we go at 5 o'clock in the morning to get PD surgery.
0: Oh.
2: Now, the PD surgery was on my birthday, and it that day was not bad. But I was also extremely... Medicated. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, right. of course. Like medicine, <clears throat> and when I came home, I couldn't move. I was in pain, and a lot. I think a lot of it has to do with how big my kidneys are and how they had to move things around in there to get it accomplished.
0: Yeah, I'm sure.
2: But oh my God, I I couldn't even get off my couch. But three days later, I was in so much pain. My husband had to take me back to the emergency room. <sighs> And they couldn't find anything wrong with me. They just, I guess, chalked it up to me being big wuss. They <laughs> oh. said, you just can't handle pain.
0: I've been told that oh. before.
2: <laughs> I, th- I had a nurse tell me that one time. She said, you just can't handle pain. lady. lay down here and let them do it to you. And see how you you handle it. Yep, yeah. exactly. But that was on a Sunday. On Monday, I was really, really sick. And like very sick to my stomach, and I, I started getting lethargic. And I, my husband was sitting on the computer doing uh, some of his paperwork, and I was sitting on the couch. And I asked him to help me to go to the bathroom to because uh, I was going to be sick. Mm. And when he when he did that, I passed out. Oh no! I said I said you have to call the emergency room now. When I woke up, I said call the call the paramedics and have them come get me because there's no way he could carry me. I live upstairs, and there's no way he could carry me downstairs. Yeah. So, they came and got me and took me to the emergency room. I had a UTI. I had a bladder infection. If it could be infected, it was infected. So, I was in in the hospital seven days then. Oh, no. With IV antibiotics and everything. And after that, I went and had my catheter flushed. And it's been smooth sailing since then. Really? I've not had any problems whatsoever. No. Wow. The only problem that I have with PD is sometimes it causes because, you know, it's nothing but sugar water, basically. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes it activates the skin disorder in people. And I'm one of those lucky people who got that. Oh. Um, I have this condition called hydronitis supertiva. And it's terrible. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. I'd rather have kidney failure. Oh. You got these big sores on it. It's terrible. So is it? (laughs) Then you have to take more medicine to get up.
1: So is that like shingles?
2: Um, It's not like shingles. You only get them in certain spots. Okay. I get them under my arms, which is just wretched. Okay. Because when I go to hang my bags, it irritates them. What? And I mean it hurts. Sometimes they're the size of silver dollars. They hurt. Oh wow. But my and I'd never had this with my other dialysis and when I told the the dermatologist that it was on P D dialysis, he said, Yep, that's what it was. That's what caused it. Wow. He he said if you get a, a transplant, he said it will most likely go away. Um I spoke to another lady on dial- on PD dialysis. Well, she has had a transplant now, but who had the same skin condition. And she did PD, and she said it hers started when she did PD, too. So, huh. I'm hopeful that it'll go away with transplant.
0: Well, I hope so. Are you on the transplant
2: list? I'm very close. <laughs> I had to lose um, a lot of weight. Okay. Because my kidneys caused me to gain a lot of weight. What? But I've lost seventy five pounds, and oh. I have to
0: lose eight more pounds. Oh my okay. gosh, that's amazing! Right.
2: And the eight more pounds is being extremely stubborn. Which I woke up this morning and I only need to lose like three more pounds. So,
0: oh wow, that's hopefully, amazing.
2: Hopefully, that's not a fluke with my
0: scale.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Okay, so you've and then okay, so you've had. Two fistulas, numerous grafts, about you're on PD. Two, fistulas, doing, two and you,
2: fistulas, five grafts, three neck catheters, one femoral catheter.
1: Explain to us the femoral catheter, because not many people uh, know about that one.
2: A femoral catheter is terrible. Aww. They put them in the top of your leg, and it goes up through your groin, and, you know, to your heart. So you can't, you know, at least when you have a neck catheter, you can take a shower. Okay. With this, with the femoral cough, nothing. You no. take bird baths. It's terrible. Oh, baths no. baths is it. And with mine, it did nerve damage to my leg. So now I can't help but take my right leg out, like... I can't pick it up higher than like knee level. It's because it, it did the damage to my nerve in it.
0: Oh my goodness!
2: But when they do that, you can't you can't wear normal clothes. Like when you go to dialysis, you have to wear. You can't wear shorts because you freeze to death. Yeah, obviously. So I had to take. I had some old sweats, and I took and I cut holes in them where my catheter hose would come out. And the looks you get when you have one of those is crazy. People are looking at you like, what's hanging out of you? Yeah,
3: what
0: is that?
2: (laughs) That's my lifeline, people.
0: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Wow. Well, girl, you sure have been through it. You're going to have to come back on. And give us some updates and hopefully transplants your update. I had 21
2: surgeries to successfully be able to have dialysis. Jeez. Oh, this is ridiculous. That but is I sure just... Will. I've enjoyed telling you all my story.
1: Gosh. Well, we like to uh, kind of end and follow up things with, uh, <laughs> since we've called the, the group and the site Living on Dialysis... How would you say that you are living on dialysis?
2: Oh, my gosh. I take my bags everywhere. I go and do whatever I want to go do. I I do my dialysis in the car all the time, and I get some strange looks when I get out to put my drain in the truck. (laughs) I go do what I want to do. Ain't nothing going to keep me from living my life.
0: That's awesome. I love that.
1: That is exactly... What we try to promote. Um yeah,
2: I, I go. I go shop. I do my own grocery shopping. I, I, you know, the only thing that I don't do that, if I had my own swimming pool, I would. But that's the only thing I can't do that I want to do is go swimming. Yeah. But I, but because I have a I have a public pool that I don't trust.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't either.
2: But other than that, I do whatever I want to go do.
0: What's I'm that is awesome. Well, you're definitely gonna have to come on for an update. And for now, um, thank you for coming on the podcast. You're amazing.
1: Something we forgot this about what we did this week is we actually went up camping with all of John's kids and Chris's kids. And we won't get into the uh, stuff that Chris and his kids did with my ATVs. But we will. We. Took Oliver up there, and if you haven't heard about Oliver, he actually had a CVC as well. He had a bone marrow transplant, and the cutest thing is go he, ahead. Didn't,
0: he didn't like his CVC called, being called a CVC. He said it was scary. So he named it Charlie.
1: Yep, and then uh, he had that one pulled or it got ripped out. So then he had another one. It was Charlie 2.0. So, Casey, if you're listening to this, that was freaking genius. And she helped us with a whole bunch of supplies when uh, Christina got host. But uh, we went camping. We set it up on the deck. And yes, I know, we were outside and da 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 we had a cover
0: but above us. We had a and... cover.
1: We masked. We sanitized. We even made the kids stay off the deck, which was almost absolutely impossible with 10, 12, 15 kids. How many kids does John have?
0: Uh, he has a lot, but he only had four there.
1: Are you Five sure? there. Five there. Are you sure? if Because I four there was like 20.
0: No, there's five.
1: Huh. Okay. Plus the
0: three other kids makes it eight total.
1: Plus Chris.
0: Yeah, they count the as kids. Stuff and you, did with my ATV. you and your brother John, you all count as kids.
1: I don't think so. I think I'm the most responsible one and I only do responsible things. Sure. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But anyways, we uh, hooked uh, dialysis up. She swung in a hammock chair. And, uh, she actually had a hummingbird right above her head.
0: Yeah, it was amazing. It was
1: awesome treatment. We had a few little hiccups, but it was nothing that we couldn't handle. And, uh, it was cool as hell.
0: And, yeah, we just realized that I didn't have surgery this last Friday. It was the Friday before that.
1: But, yeah, so she's had so many. We just, we just call them Friday surgeries. So, (laughs) anyway, see you guys. Bye. Hey, guys, I know I reviewed this already. But it came out on streaming, and I just had to do it again. It is Top Gun Maverick, and it is absolutely amazing. If you have not seen it, you need to go see it. It has extras. Um, Basically, it's about after more than 30 years of service as one of the Navy's top aviators, Pete Mitchell, is where he belongs, pushing the envelope as a courageous test pilot and dodging the advancements in rank. That would ground him. And then it stars Tom Cruise, um, Val Kilmer, Jennifer Connelly, Miles Till, uh, Brashear Saludin, um, John Hamm, Charles Parnell, Monica Barbello. I mean, just name after name after name. So I suggest you go see this and here is the trailer. What do we have here? Here I thought we were special. Fellas, this here's bag man. Hangman. Whatever. What kind
4: of mission is this?
0: Everyone here is the best there is. Who the hell are they going to get to teach us?
1: Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Let
2: me be perfectly blunt. You are not my first choice. You are here at the request of Admiral Kazanski. a.k.a. Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. With all due
1: respect, sir, I'm not a teacher. I just want to manage expectations. What the hell? Good morning, aviators. This is your captain speaking. Okay, so that movie is absolutely amazing. It has extras. It has the making. The fact that they, that they flew every single jet. It is absolutely amazing. If you like the first Top Gun, oh my God, you're going to absolutely love this one. I love uh, Irritating Christina because anytime I come down from the mountains, I start that song playing. And she goes, oh my gosh, but it is such a good song. And the Lady Gaga song that she does is absolutely amazing, too. There is not one bad part in this movie. So go watch it. Go own it. See it a million times. See you guys. Hey, guys. It's Mike.
0: and Christina.
1: And this is Living on Dialysis Podcast. So we are talking today about uh, fish and graphs. Do you want to tell them about your week?
0: Do I have to?
1: Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and start with Friday because that's when we posted our last one. Why don't you go ahead and tell them what you did Friday?
0: So on Friday, I went in for surgery. I was, for some reason, every time we hooked up to the graft, I was getting this awful pressure in my arm that just get, it got harder and harder and harder. And it felt like my arm was going to blow up. So we would have to pull the needles around an hour. So, I went in for sur- surgery with the original doctor that placed it and he kind of he kind of didn't think there was a problem. So, he went in there and checked out the veins and everything and he says, "Yeah, there's there's no problem." And he kind of even said uh dia- <laughs> he actually said dialysis doesn't feel good. So, you're just going to have to deal with it and it should go away. And he was also saying I had I was having phantom pains, like remembering what my fistula felt like. And I was like, no, my fistula never felt like that. So I went back to my original vascular surgeon that I've gone to the whole time. And went in for surgery...
1: Uh, Yesterday.
0: Yesterday. Wow, yeah. it was yesterday. So went in for surgery yesterday and... We get wheeled back, and my doctor comes walking out, and we start talking to him. And I lift up the the gown, my sleeve on the gown, to show him my CVC. And he instantly says, well, that's the problem. And we're like, what do you mean that's the problem? And he said, he showed us how I have a ton of little veins on my right shoulder, and I don't on my left shoulder. And he said that's because there's so much pressure built up in there that the CVC is pushing all the blood to that arm. So my body was making new veins to hold the blood.
1: Which is absolutely crazy. And um, so, first off, Friday, when the doctor actually said that, it actually extremely pissed me off. And if you follow the group, you can see how pissed off I was because I posted a video at that basically was saying, no, dialysis is not supposed to hurt. Okay, it's not a walk in the park or rainbows or anything like that. But to add pain on top of it, that is the stupidest thing I ever heard. And that's where we push so much about being your own advocate and getting additional answers. And um, like I've said before, my mom has always said, ask the question three times. Because eventually you're going to get the right answer. Always, like on the first one, it's, nope, nope, I'm perfect, I don't mess up. Then the second one, it's like, hmm, I don't know, it's, uh, you know, they might think about it. And then the third time, they're like, they're actually going to think about it. And whether that's a second opinion, third opinion, fourth opinion, keep going and getting opinions until you get the answer you want.
0: I think that's the number one thing I've learned throughout my years of all this medical stuff, is that don't be afraid to get a second opinion. And most of the time, it will make you feel better. And I've noticed most of the time, they catch what the other one didn't.
1: Absolutely. And I will say that this process sucked. Because anytime Christina goes under the knife, I have a mini panic attack. I know I joke a lot and I'm sarcastic, but that's a cover for me as well because it just makes it easier for me to handle all of it. And I won't say we made a mistake with everything we did because our original surgeon didn't even want to put a graft in the in the same arm as your fissure. So if we went with his opinion, we would have had the graft in the other arm which you didn't want to give up yet. And then when we went back to him, it was an immediate oh, this is the problem. So yes, it really sucks, but always get a second opinion, third opinion, and don't ever accept the fact that dialysis is just going to hurt.
0: Or that it's it'll it'll go away in a couple months. You just have to give it time.
1: Yeah, that that is absolute horseshit. Because just when, when when you get answers like that and they just feel wrong, reach out to someone. Reach out to someone that's been on dialysis or an advocate or anything like that because I can guarantee you there's somebody that has went through this. And if anything, we give experience to other people that may be having the same thing. And, and it was absolutely crazy when this doctor, we were talking to him and stuff. And he happens, and he happens to just say, "Hey, let me see what the previous surgeon did." And if he wouldn't have done that, it 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 almost seemed like he wanted to send us home to let her heal up a little bit more. It was almost like he was he wanted pushing. to do
0: some other tests. He
1: wanted to do some other tests. He wanted to do some other things until we until we finally, because I don't think he knew he knew she had CVC. Uh, and then when we mentioned, he's like, oh, well, so he pulls back and looks like, oh, what's that? And it was plain as day when he mentioned it because it was, comparing to the other sh- shoulder, it looked like spiderwebs on a shoulder on the side with the CBC. And this petrified me because that CBC is my failsafe. It's my go-to. If there's a problem with cannulating or if there's a problem with the graft or whatever. I knew I had that CBC that I could just connect to. I didn't have to worry about needles. I didn't. And that scared the living shit out of me. But Christina was confident. This doctor was confident. And so they took her back and did this. So I had my mini panic attack. I called my mom immediately. You know, almost cry to her. Oh, they're taking out the CBC. Oh, what am I going to do?
0: Hey, I thought you said you did cry.
1: Uh I'm fairly manly. So, let's just say I didn't.
0: Hey, manly men cry.
1: Yeah, anyways. So, you know, I... And, on you know, time I have a issue, or I don't know how to handle something, it's usually I call my mom and dad. You know, if I want my mom to say, Oh, you you're a good boy. You know, I call my mom. But if I want the brutal truth. It's my dad and he'll tell me to buck up and man up and get back in there. So, and this is where the coolest thing happened. And so, the surgeon comes out and he comes and kind of explains to me what happened. He pulled the CBC and... Oh, well, Christina's getting a call. Oh, Okay, so, we end up so he's talking to me and I don't know if I have the look of Michael's a dummy face or if I've been throwing out enough lingo that I sound like that I know what I sound like. And uh, so he goes, Well come with me. And he pulls me back in the airwall. And I go in there and Christina is just covered in blood. I mean it's basically any any TV show that you've seen, well, it's in the OR and there's there's and there's blood and I mean it 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 was it was brutal, and I walk in there and I'm trying to listen to the doctor and the only thing I'm thinking is, um, okay, don't pass out, 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 and he gets done talking and behind the cover I hear, hey honey, I love you. And I'm like, holy shit, you're awake? And yeah. she's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, honestly, thank God we weren't talking shit on you. So, and then she starts telling me about the nurses and how they're writing down books for her to read. And, and this is all white, you know, she's covered in blood and her arm's wide open. And so we go ahead and do that. And they, they send us home with actually some catheters in her arm. And I think they're like 8-gauge, 10-gauge. Yeah, they're huge. But they are some huge needles. And it's not really the needles. It's when you get an IV and they leave that plastic sheath inside you. It's the same thing except on steroids. It's this big, big needle. and
0: It's like a temporary CVC coming out of your graft.
1: Yeah. And so basically he just left it. He taped them down. And, you know, that freaked me out too because, you know, that could snag on anything. And, you know, the entire day was just a mind mess of emotions and what are we going to do? So we get home, we do dialysis, and the pressures are amazing.
2: They're They're gone. Yeah.
1: They're actually so low that I called my nurse saying, hey, are these too low? And once she knew the gauge and how how the needles were and stuff, you know, it, it was no problem. So, anyways, that was all week. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if anything, Christina definitely makes life interesting and always keeps you on your toes. So, we're going to go into the history of the fishing and the Graft. So, like I said, I do the... Boring mumbo-jumbo stuff, and then Christina will let you know her experience with her stuff. Um, The history of a fissure. The fissure is a connection that can be formed between a vein and an artery for dialysis. A graft is a piece of plastic that is inserted to connect the vein and the artery for dialysis. Fissure is the preferred method and graft is basically the backup if your veins aren't big enough or they can't place one. Um, anytime you put an un, anytime you put a man-made item into your body, your body is going to want to eject that um, in one way or another. So, fissures are definitely the go-to. Um, another thing to actually be careful about is if you happen to be searching for fissure, there's actually a thing called uh, anal fissure which is serious too and it's extremely medical but is exactly what you think it is but uh, down in your bum hole it's uh, veins that have expanded and yeah so you really
0: have
1: to go there I, I didn't mean to My but goodness. I type it in and then that stuff comes up and I'm starting to write notes and I start writing this down oh. and I'm like what the hell I'm like what the hell is she having this place and then I read into it and it's it, they actually name it a stupid thing, so I'm not gonna say it again, but they should call it like big bumhole something. I don't know. Oh my god, yeah, I know, it's gross. So okay, when you when you're on. yeah, when you're looking up fissures, just make sure you uh make sure you're typing in dialysis with that because you 'cause you're gonna get some uh vivid images and descriptions. Alright, so the first fissure was used in nineteen thirty on kids that actually got polio. Um, when they became paralyzed, to keep the limbs alive, they would place fissures in an attempt to keep the limbs growing. It didn't work because, well, when kids had polio back then, they usually died. And so there was very low success rate with this. And uh, as I said before, the first successful dialysis patient was in 1943 by Dr. Koff, but this was not too effective because the amount of blood that they have to pull... Um, they won't pull in enough blood to clean it. So, it, when you, if, you, if you're not using fissures and grafts, you're not pulling enough, so your body is creating more toxins that you can even pull. Um, in 1960, Dr. Scribner, still called the Scribner shunt, um, this was a Keflon graft placed on the outside of the skin, connected to the vein and the elderly. but this was prone to many, many infections because it was just hanging on the side of your arm.
0: That's insane.
1: Yeah, so basically you had a screw-type connection that when you connected to dialysis, you would unscrew it, you would connect to the arterial side, you'd oh, to the mom. vein side, and then when you're done, you just screw them together. Oh, my and God. And so, one, they didn't really even understand what fissures and glass were doing, but the amount of infection that came from this was absolutely nuts. That's
0: insane.
1: Um, so that, that's basically the history. There's not much to it. Um, dialysis has basically been the same since 1940, 1950. Fissures, grafts, CBCs. It's really the main ways that you can do dialysis. Um As you heard with uh person uh, uh what's what was her name Angel Duncan, yeah. you know she had five fishulas or two fishulas, five grafts, numerous CBCs, and then a femoral, yeah CBC, and which in your leg, yeah, which uh instead of your chest CBC, the one that goes straight to your heart. It is in your leg and it's going to that main artery that runs And it actually
0: runs like across your groin Mm -hmm. and up. And so apparently the pain in your groin area and your upper leg is just super intense with it.
1: And then when you had your first fissure, I may be jumping around, but you had that vein moved from your leg into your arm, right? No, no, no. No?
0: I got my fistula placed... The same way everybody else does. And my fistula, I had I had the problem of it growing too big. And so we had to try to slow down the growth of it. So they actually did a drill procedure. They went in my leg and took my artery out. And they went in and connected my artery to the bottom of the fistula. Okay. And the hope was that that artery would slow the blood down before it got in the fistula. Okay. Uh, it didn't.
1: All right. So let's go ahead and start over because we kind of jumped around with your with your fishure. Let's go ahead and start with when you were first told that you needed to get a fishua. Let's go ahead and go through that process a little bit.
0: Um. Honestly, it's really hard to remember. I think that I had so much going on in my life and i was having a custody battle at that time i was getting a fistula i had this newborn baby that had her own illnesses and it's it's hard to remember all i really do remember is recovery after the fistula surgery and i am a very vain person and after my first surgery i straighten my hair Because I have naturally frizzy hair. It's not curly. It's just frizzy. And so I straightened my hair. And it takes a long time. And I couldn't hold a blow dryer. And so I actually remember being in the bathroom and crying. And just crying and crying. And my mom came in and she said, Here, honey, let me straighten your hair for you. And it meant the world to me. Because... You don't realize when you don't have that arm, which the things you can't do, and right. so I remember that whole recovery. I was just awful. I had the hardest time like not using my arm
1: so let me ask you on that when you had your official place you had a you had a place on your right arm. was there a reason you had a placed on the right or the left, or did you even get an option?
0: I did not get an option
1: okay, so on that. Anytime you have an option to put it in your non dominant arm, do it. Um, Another thing is have it placed as low as possible. I don't know if that was possible with you, but make sure you get, make sure you ask that question like three times. Are you sure I can't put it in my wrist? Are you sure I can't put it in my forearm? Because anytime you move up, you cannot have a fissure or a graft or anything below that. And that's kind of the thing we're running into right now is her fissure is placed somewhat high in her elbow,
0: lower shoulder.
1: And so you only have that limited space. And so when they placed the graft, they placed it in your bicep. And if we knew what we knew now, you know, we could have asked them, hey, one, can we put this in my left arm? I straighten my hair. I do this. I write. I you know, so anytime you can put it in your non dominant arm, definitely do it. Well, and at the
0: at the time, um, I remember I I think I was twenty four mm-hmm. when I got my fistula placed, and at the time I, I was just this young girl. It was the first surgery I ever had, other than C section with my daughter, and um, the doctor basically said. You got better veins in the right arm and I they said, What's your dominant arm? And I said, Right. And they said, Well, those veins are better. We're gonna go ahead and place it. Okay. And at the time I didn't know the questions to ask. I didn't know the things to say. So I figured that those doctors were doing the best they could for me.
1: And and I'm sure they did do the best. And but but that's where this that's where the group and the podcast come in really handy for if you have questions or the doctors tell you this or that, get on the group and ask questions. They may be right. Or that one question might be, oh, yeah, why don't we put it down here? You know, and they might they might come back with an answer of, oh, it's the only place we can put it.
0: And it might even be, and, hey, maybe I need to go see another doctor and see if they have the same opinion.
1: Yeah, and Christina actually has small veins. So it could have been that this was... The only place. And just like... Just like when she had her graft placed... The original doctor... Not the one that placed her, her fistula... But the... But... The original doctor we went and talked to... Said, no, we can't put it in that arm. And we're like... Well, we're not ready to give up... Her other arm yet. Because if you don't know... When you get a fistula... You cannot do IVs in that arm. You cannot do... Blood pressures. Uh, blood pressures. So... If she had a fistula put it in the other arm... We would, do be, we, bleh, we would be doing blood pressures on her leg. If she had an IV that needed to be placed, it would have to be done in your leg, right? I yeah. mean, and that just sounds absolutely miserable. I mean, an IV in your hand is bad enough. Can you imagine them fishing around in your leg? So, anyways, so, question. When, when you had your fissure replaced, you knew you were getting a transplant, Right. Did you know at that time? Yeah, well,
0: it was in the works, but I, we knew that I might go on dialysis before the transplant was all ready to go.
1: So, did they give you the option for a CBC during that time? Because it, because it, because it seems, okay, so why did they want you to get a fistula if you knew... I mean, I guess you didn't know because that Brian was a match. You didn't know. There's
0: no guarantee
1: okay. that
0: you're going to keep the kidney. There's no... With the, with this dialysis stuff, you go with what presents itself. And so you think you have a plan, and the next day, that plan's gone, and you got to come up with a new one. And so having that fistula placed guaranteed that when I did need dialysis, I could go get it.
1: Okay. So let's go ahead and jump forward. Um, you rejected your kidneys again, um, you had a CVC placed, and then that's when we started exploring the options of fissure, graft, can we, see, tell them about the mistake we made somewhat with the fissure, about getting it tied off and stuff like that.
0: Oh, well, after I had got my second transplant, I had had it for a year, and... My doctors all told me that it could hurt my heart. to So to go get it tied off. And this this fistula, it was a champ. Like it had no problems. It was just a fighter. And so I again did as I was told. And I went and had it tied off. And I found out just shortly after that. That full rejection was going to happen. That's when we were fighting it. And... We should have just kept it, but again, I did what I was told and tied it off.
1: So, am I allowed to tell a story about, uh, that was pretty much the first surgery that I was part of, and I was sitting right there with your mom. Am I allowed to tell that story? It's funny as hell.
0: but if you have kids, you should probably (laughs) plug their ears.
1: All right, so, so, I met Christina. She starts rejecting. They know that, well, this was before she was rejecting. And it is actually true that if you have a fissure and you're not using it, you are putting that extra work in your heart. So I mean, it's it's rolling up the dice. I mean, we couldn't tell the future that you're gonna reject your kidney. Yeah, we couldn't. But at the same time the doctor's telling you, listen, this thing is making your heart go wild. And like she said, this was a this was a damn good fissure. So we go to that do we do it again do we not I mean if if we knew we were going to reject then yes definitely don't untie it definitely don't don't tie it off but I mean that's that's something to ask two three doctors because I I I don't know I don't know what we would have done if the doctor came to us and said hey this is this is running your heart ten times more than what it should I, I I don't know what our conversation would have been on that yeah. i don't know i mean and and it's it's every single surgery is going to be different but that's definitely a conversation to have with two three doctors um but anyways so this was like right after i met christina we were dating we were you know i I don't even think we were engaged to that point and we go to the doctor with robin and that's I re- my mother. Yeah, and that's that's the that's the famous mom, the mother-in-law that I love to uh, give clap to. Um, I only do it because uh, I love seeing your expression, and it's absolutely fun. But uh, so so, anytime you go into have surgery, they have you gown up. And I remember they give her the gown, and we're just sitting there, and Christina just. Well, I think she waits so for a second. And like,
0: I, I looked from like you to her, and her to you, and nobody was moving. Well, and, and I'm I'm
1: a dumbass. I'm just sitting there like, oh, okay, well. Uh, and then boobies. I'm like, oh my gosh! And I look over at Robin, and I'm like, that's nice, huh? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, was the only thing I could think. And she goes, and she goes, oh my goodness. I'm like, well, they all. Up. And she puts the gown on, and pretty much that was my first interaction of medical with your mom. Yeah, it was. So, there's that. Sorry, Robin, but they are nice, so. Um, so, you have your graft pushed. hmm Do you want to tell them about that process?
0: Um, So, it's just like getting a fistula. You go under, and you come out with it, and... You just have a few more scars to go with a graft because they actually have to put an item in there. And so there's there's a few big cuts. But yeah, it's a very similar process. But after I got it, I kind of learned how different fistulas and grafts are. There's a lot of differences. And they're kind of silly little things. But like with a fistula, you use a tourniquet when you're sticking the needles. You never use a tourniquet on a graft. So that's one thing I was kinda of caught off guard by. Okay. And
1: what about what about buttonholes?
0: You cannot have buttonholes in a graft. You can in a fistula.
1: Something I learned on buttonholes is you have to have a layer of fat on your arm or leg or wherever. At, at least that's what I've been told, in order to have buttonholes, you have to have a tunnel that it can go through. Really? Yeah. So even even if your fissure was where it is, I mm-hmm. don't think you could have buttonholes. Even oh. with your old fissure, just because it sat so high on your skin. Some people's fissures are, you know, kind of hard to see, or it's under the skin, or, you know, you're a bigger person. You have that layer of fat on top of it, and you need that tunnel to create the chamber. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know if that's right or wrong. If I'm wrong, call me out to let me know. But that's what I was told. So even when I asked him about, well, because I heard there's a process where you can actually in when you're in surgery, you can place the buttonholes. You can place the there's a plastic chamber tube that they can place so that. It starts the
0: well, you keep scarring it, process. Well, you keep it in for like three weeks. I mean, yeah. two to three weeks. Yeah. And so when you pull it out, you've got that channel mm-hmm. ready to
1: go. And when, when I asked the doctor that, he didn't even say, well, I can't do that because it's a glass. She's like, she's too thin. She won't have buttonholes. And I'm like, what? And, I'm like, yeah. and he's like, yeah, you have, to have a, you have to have something that the tube can be placed in. If it's just the skin that you're poking through on a needle that you you can't so that's when you have to do the train track pattern and so um, another difference between fissure and graft at least in my experience I didn't I didn't ever uh, cannulate a fissure but they went straight through I mean how many times when you first had your fissure
0: oh over and over and over again
1: and that's when I
0: had my lovely uh tattooed bruised arm that I m- made my dad look like a abuser. Yeah. Love you dad.
1: And the graft is actually a little bit different because it's it's basically a a Teflon hose in your skin where you can hear it pop yeah as you're going in and it kind of just at least with the times that we've been successful with cannulating, is you hear the pop and then you just it just kind of channels right through it. Um, I haven't been the best with cannulating. I I do really great with the first one, but the second one, I don't know. I think I let my emotions get a hold of me because anytime I make a flinch or hurt a little bit, I get frustrated. But it could have been the pressure too. So so we had the CBC removed and the the only thing we can think is the amount of pressure that you lost with not having the CBC trying to place needles today actually was extremely difficult we I, I could get it started but then it just went away and we don't know if it's because she's still in trauma through surgery so her body's just in defense mode I don't know.
0: Yep, so, we'll just have to try it again tomorrow. Yeah,
1: we even had the nurse here, and she wiggled the needle around. And, and I hate doing that, too, because, I mean, we've all had IVs placed, and they wiggle around, and I'm doing that with the 16-gauge needle. So I see her flinching, and she's she's a tough-ass woman, but it sucks. So that sucks. Yeah. But
0: But there are a few differences that I kind of noticed, like, if you pull a needle from a fistula, you're going to get blood across the room. And it's going to look like a murder scene way, bu- like, within seconds. And the graft is not that intense. We have actually had really good success just putting the gauze on it, putting pressure on it for a couple minutes. And it pretty much stays. And I, I thought we would have the fistula like, reaction, but no, it's, it's a lot easier with a graft.
1: Yeah, and you have a really badass dialysis tech that's really strong with really strong hands.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, that's okay. me, by the way.
0: That's what we're That's, that's what, what we're, we're going
1: with, yeah, that I'm freaking amazing. Okay, well. Um, I'm yeah. actually kind of proud of this one, but uh, when she was in the operating room, when you can go ahead and tell him about the medical with me. What? Uh well they thought I okay your oh way. yeah
0: yeah so the nurses were talking to me and they asked me if Mike was in the medical field and I said no he's a jet mechanic and they were like no way and they're like he really knows what he's talking about
1: I think that's why the surgeon came and pulled me in because I I just kind of know my niche when it comes to this stuff. And I'm yeah, throwing but, out I'm throwing out lingo that I don't that more, that normal people just don't have. So,
0: but I talked better than you. But I was just already in the operating
1: room. Well, you're in there talking about books and yeah,
0: I actually all these
1: books on tape. In fact, when she came out of surgery, the the nurse gives me a post it, and she's like, "Hey, you need you, you need to take this." And I'm thinking, it's a prescription, or it's how to cannulate, or what I do. And I'm like, well, what the hell is this? She's like, oh, well, that's a book that we recommend for her to read. (laughs) I'm like, oh, uh, okay, my wife is in there cut open, and you're giving me a book? And she's like, yeah, we were just talking about it just now. I told her I'd write it down.
0: Yeah, and the book sounds amazing. Like... (laughs) If I'm going into surgery, I'm going to talk to them, and I have no idea where that's going to go. We went to books, and they had amazing taste in books.
1: (laughs) So, that is our experience with Fishing and Glass. I know everybody has a whole bunch. Um, Angel Duncan had tons and tons of stories. Yeah. So, uh, if you have an amazing story, let us know, and... uh, Basically, that's it.
0: Take care of yourselves, guys.
1: We will see you guys next week.
0: Hey, bye. See ya. Hi, guys. This is Christina's Crazy Corner. And today we have a newbie. I'm super excited. She is all the way from Florida. Her name is Tiff. How are you, Tiff?
3: Good. How is everyone?
0: You sound so happy. It's so cute. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I'm so excited. And we also have Susie. Hi, guys. And, of course, we have Tyler J. Hi. Okay, Ty, what do we got for today? not
3: a happy hi. Hi. Enthusiasm.
4: Hi. That's better. (laughs) Got this.
3: Okay, uh so
4: today we're going to be talking about some of the craziest cat facts that you probably don't know. Cat facts?
3: I just watched a documentary. I know everything. I did, too. Oh. On Netflix. Yes. Same. What
0: is it? Is is the info from the documentary? No, it's from uh, Animal Health. Okay. Okay okay let's do it let's do it
4: okay so unlike dogs cats don't have a sweet tooth this could be due to a mutation and a key taste receptor
0: okay so are we talking literally a tooth or are we talking like wine sweets. sweets
4: sweets like
0: candy they don't really? like sweet huh? so don't if like you sweets. put like chocolate down they're not gonna go for no, it no they're not yeah, they never do Oh, that's a <laughs> they never that's do. I have had cats,
4: and they
0: never go for the treats, but the
3: dogs do. I have had a Our cat go do. for treats. Oh, you have. Lemmy thinks he's a dog. Like so. sweet treats? Yeah. Like yes. cookies? Like or the kids' candy? Wow. Huh. Yeah, he never goes for it that. all. Yeah. <gasps> he had a mutation. But he also likes rides in the car. And yeah. he thinks he's a
4: dog. He's a dog. He is a, a crazy dog. He's a crazy know. cat.
3: But most of them know, huh?
4: He's a dog in a cat's body. That's how he feels. <laughs> this is how he identifies. <laughs> okay, what's next? All right, so on average, cats spend two-thirds of every day sleeping and use one-third of their awake time cleaning themselves.
0: So all they do is sleep and clean? That sounds awful. Well, the,
4: that's only one third of their wake time. The two thirds of their wake time, they do whatever.
0: Oh, no! Two thirds of their time is spent sleeping. So two how many cats of every does everyone here and have? And use
4: one third of their awake time. Ah, one okay, third of their okay. awake time. How many cats does everyone have?
0: One. We ha- one. Okay, what about and you, Sus? Four. So we like have Natalie. four as well.
3: Yes, I'm not the only one. Four. 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 Yes. so that means if one third how, how long do they sleep?
4: No. so they sleep for two thirds of their day oh my gosh that is insane
3: mine sleeps for
4: more, she's 17 Oh, oh <laughs> understandable. so she just sleeps at this point I'm 17 <laughs> too, I sleep a lot
3: <laughs> it's a teenager and an old cat thing exactly, yeah. that's so funny you guys want to get it <laughs> so Miley is our old cat and she sleeps a lot too and she spends the rest of her time knocking over drinks
4: that's her excellent. Daughter. Your
3: cats have—they have, they some have crazy, talents. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All
4: right. Next one. The technical term for a hairball is a bizor. A, a
0: bizor, like in Harry Potter. Bizor. 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 B e z o a r. Bizor. I like that better than hairball. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah. Go get your bizor and get it out of here. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. All okay. Right.
4: The Next one. A group of cats is called a clowder. Oh. Clouder? This was
3: not on the documentary. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs>
0: Who came up with that one? Clowder. Look, there's clowder. a bunch of cats over there. It's a clowder. <laughs> yeah. It's a clowder right there. It's like a cloudy day with cats. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. Gosh. <laughs> right. Next one. Cats can be left pod or right pod. Female oh. cats tend to be right pod, while male cats are usually left pod interestingly left-handed humans also tend to be male oh that's
0: interesting okay so I got a couple things one like why do they need to be right or left-handed
4: because like if they start jumping they put one paw up first when they knock over
3: cups they gotta have a dominant one
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay and then um I've always thought it was really weird that me and all my sisters married guys with left hand that are left-handed all, and of all of our brothers are right-handed.
3: Are... Wow. Oh wow!
0: All of our husbands are left-handed. Wow. So, huh.
3: Isn't I left-hand kind of rare? I like guess not. I don't not. know a lot of left-handed people.
0: She said, said more men are left-handed. Well, still rare, though. maybe it's still rare. Yeah, good call. Huh? Good call. <laughs> okay, keep going.
4: <laughs> cats make about a hundred different sounds, while dogs make a- only about ten. Are cats smarter? We'll I think get they to are. That. They basically... I think they
0: feel like they're smarter, they just don't care. They mm-hmm. can take care of themselves. Like, what are humans for? Yeah. Just to put the food in a bowl. Yeah. That's yeah.
4: it. We'll get to that part.
0: Okay. But
4: the next one actually is it. a cat's brain is biologically more similar to a human brain than it is to a dog's. Cats are smarter. Both humans and cats have identical regions in their brains that are responsible for emotions. Whoa, so your cat like can get feels sad. sad or happy? They can get depression. Yeah. That's actually mm-hmm. Lemmy gets angry. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. sure. Yeah.
0: So does Dusky Boy. Dusky. <laughs> he went through a phase but he's like grown out of it now and now he's like old man Dusky. Well mm. no, he
4: still gets pissed off if I move wrong. Well yeah. Don't move. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's wrong, your fault. On
3: these long trips.
4: She does. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then they
3: are they like retaliate. They'll start peeing everywhere, and they're <laughs> yeah. She just expects a lot of love when I get home. Like we that's had dogs cute. come over, and all of a sudden everyone peed all over the house because they weren't happy about it. So.
0: <laughs> and you have
3: dogs as well. Yeah, yeah it just that's wasn't the funny our dog. Part.
4: <laughs> they're particular for sure. Yeah. Okay, right. T. The oldest pet cat was found in a 9,500-year-old grave on the Mediterranean island of Cyprus. Contrary to popular cat facts, this predates Egyptian pet cats by 4,000 years. That
3: was on the documentary.
4: What? Yes.
3: They've been around a lot longer than we thought. As a pet, right? Uh uh-huh. huh. It was well, buried that's... with someone. They said they found one in someone's grave, like with them. Oh
0: my gosh! Why were they digging this person up?
3: I don't know. It's a whole nother topic. Let's just leave them alone.
0: <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> I okay. found a
4: cat
3: mummy.
4: <laughs> yeah. All right. Cats are, cats are North America's most popular pets.
3: Cats really? outnumber
4: dogs 73 million to 63 million. Wow. Only 30% of North American homes have a cat. Wow. I wow. think cats are kind of easier because
3: you don't have to walk them. You don't yeah. have to, you know what I mean? You feed They're them and they do their thing. It's just, it seems like I could totally see that. I do not like cats though. Cats, yeah, you know Not, well you don't all I know.
0: you don't have to clean them Hopefully you don't have I to groom know. them most of the time if you have like yeah a long haired cat quiet. then that's just a nightmare yeah yeah yeah, yeah. then, then I, you just have to shave yeah. them in the summer yeah. so
3: I think they're essentially easier <laughs> they in my easier, opinion but, but I thought this is that society people they were dogs were cats but yeah that's very interesting <sighs> yeah very interesting
0: don't listen moose you're gonna just be <laughs> sad okay
3: we love our puppies we too. prefer you <laughs>
0: Okay, Ty.
4: All right. Some cats have survived falls over 65 feet. Their eyes and balance organs in the inner ear help cats to right themselves in midair and land on their feet.
0: Yeah. Their That's eyes possible. and ears? Mhm. Wow. It's pretty freaking cool. And, and they see, can like
3: flip midair just land on their feet. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And a little boy threw a cat out of the St. Augustine lighthouse. Are you serious? Yeah. What? There's a fun Florida fact. <laughs> did, did this? Did the cat, cat survive? Live? Um, I can't remember. I think was it, it your was, little boy? No, it was years okay, and years ago in the lighthouse. was an operation. <laughs> just kidding. One of the stories when you got in it, that little brother got mad at the little sister and threw the cat off at.
0: What? What did the cat do? And
3: I think the cat lived. <gasps> if I remember, right, the cat lived. I certainly oh hope so. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And
0: he could come back with his other eight lives and terrorize the I little boy. And did the child get a timeout?
4: Like okay. oh really <laughs> yeah wow wow dang okay t all right the oldest cat to give birth did oh. so at age 30 with two no. kittens no wow well.
3: a cat can live to be 30 years old
4: yeah a house cat is that cat yeah. years or is that like 30
3: human what human years? years human years um, is cat There's there a cat years thing. What type of cat lives to be thirty years? I'm very concerned. All of a sudden. Um uh, well, uh, well, You don't want your cat to live that long, do you? <laughs> Let's be. Honest. Oh my gosh, you're horrible. <laughs> Tiff
0: wants her cat to die. No, I don't. What's your She's cat's done. name? Meowser. Hey Meowser. Meowser. Don't let her feed you anymore. Okay. Okay, I gotta tell
3: a fun side story. No. It's Stop. awesome. Okay, she says no. Okay, she thought it was the end of time for her cat. And she took it in and to have her put down. And they were like, no, she's a spring chicken. She's good. She's okay. fine. So I think she just thought she was getting maybe there and then liked... she wasn't.
0: Well, okay. And so then... you're a preemptive killer. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out, Nate. <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, so but she's so old.
0: House, <laughs> she's like, she thought she just... was old.
3: We had a carpet and the cats are going in every single room. Okay. Okay, and I'm, I had another cat that happened to, and she ended up having cancer, and we had to put her down. So I thought. So we she were just prepared herself, two. kind of, uh, and okay. took her she in, this, and they're like, "No, she's, she's good. She just doesn't like she by the my new head house." Every night, yeah, right not to, to make throat. it sound like she was doing it on purpose, but they were like, "No, she's fine. She's young. She's gonna live forever.
0: She actually." Yeah, I might. just never thought thirty. Yeah, I just like thinking you were doing it on purpose. Because <laughs> <laughs> why not? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I actually love her a lot, and yeah. she's a
3: really good kitty. When she's not going in on your brand new carpet, brand new house, no one had lived there before, brand new. Oh, yeah. So it wasn't cancer; it was just cat attitude. Yeah. She was making she was everybody angry. know this is my house. Yeah, this we had to rip is, all the carpet yeah. out. We now have wood floors. Oh
0: wow! But she's, that's a good way to go, anyways. It is it
3: is. Carpet's yeah, my cross. whole house is Carpet's wood floors. How old is she? You're Seventeen.
0: Seventeen.
3: Hmm. So oh, she's got
4: a lot of years left.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, T.
4: Okay, so a female cat is called a queen or a molly. Oh, that's cute. Queen Molly. Queen or a molly. Yeah, but I, I want I want both. Queen Molly. Yeah. Okay. For the win. Queen Mauser. Queen Mauser. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. All right. Cats are highly sensitive to vibrations and may be able to detect earthquake tremors ten or fifteen minutes before
0: humans can. So if your cat oh. starts going bananas, just you know. prepare. Yeah. Get get to safety. Okay. Take your cat with you. My cat's always bananas though,
4: so. Yeah. Hmm. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, blonde or brown color change in Siamese kittens depends on their body temperature. Siamese cats carry albino genes that work at a body temperature above 98 degrees. Degrees degrees Fahrenheit. If these kittens are left in a very warm room, their their prints won't darken and they'll they will still they will stay a creamy white all over. Wow. wow. So you can kinda
3: of determine their color, keeping them warm.
4: Mm-hmm. Or cold.
3: Wow. Wow.
0: Just freeze them for a couple weeks.
3: <laughs> now who's the cat? You got the darkest cat you could ever
0: have. And he's also, dead. Also, it's mummified in ice <laughs> yeah. cube,
4: but that's fine. Oh my goodness! Wow. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> like dogs, cats only
0: sweat through their paws. Oh wow! I didn't know I about that. that about
3: dogs.
0: I didn't know that either. They sweat through their paws. Huh. Huh. That's why they get so dirty. I
3: don't know. <laughs> know. Makes me wonder, because Lemmy runs around, and he, sometimes he's wet, and I'm like, are you hot? Are you sweaty? Maybe. What the heck is he getting into? Maybe. His whole body, or just his paws? Like, the back of him. Oh, yeah, he's into something. Then. He's. Yeah. But they
4: like to the sink a
0: lot, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, T. All
4: right. With enough water, cats can tolerate temperatures up to 133
0: degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. What?
3: wonder if my cat was okay when the AC died last week. Yeah. <laughs> and you're dying and,
0: then, and the cat's like, come on, calm down. This is nothing.
3: In Florida. No oh. AC.
0: When our cold. AC died, the cats
3: thought they were gonna die. Oh, yours did? <clears throat> a couple our years ago and I walked in and there was like a cat here laying on its side. A cat here I'm like, oh my gosh, they were so dramatic. <laughs> That's
4: funny. Our fine. dogs were dramatic but the cat was fine. Hmm. Huh. Okay, Ty. Right. A cat's nose pad has a unique pattern of ridges, just like a human fingerprint. Oh, wow. Really? Cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. You're like, one of my cats got into my food. I need <laughs> a nose
4: print done. <laughs> nose prints for all of you.
0: Yes, nose prints for all
4: of you. <laughs> a cat has no collarbone, meaning it can fit through any opening
0: smaller than its head. Oh, that's awesome. Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. Smaller than its head. Yep. Yeah. They just kind of wiggle through. That kind of explains a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I think in that documentary, they, like, did a circle of four inches, three inches, and they were trying to see, you know, how small they could fit through.
4: It's insane. It doesn't look like they're going to fit, and they just go right through. Wow. This All is right. crazy. A tower was built in Scotland for a cat named Towser. In commemoration of her killing over 30,000 mice throughout oh. her lifetime. I like the name Tower. Oh I know that how is cute really is cute. That?
0: I wonder how big the tower is.
3: It was four feet high. Yeah, it's like
0: a tiny cat it was tower. just
3: perfect for her.
0: Yeah. And it was built by a six-year-old at the about... beach. All right. <laughs> and she she actually destroyed it the same day it was built. Yeah, <laughs> probably. But,
4: but how many mice? A... 30,000. That's so many. But who
0: counted it? I don't know. How accurate were they? A7 I used to have a cat them.
3: that would bring them to the doorstep as
0: gifts. Oh. And, uh, two, yeah, I can see counting three. them. Tyler, That's the I get one them today. all the time. Tyler gets bugs. I've got Lined a dead out. mouse,
4: too. You okay. have? I've gotten He's birds. And He's it's not gifts. Birds. Like, you have to be appreciative. <clears throat> well, the thing is, actually, sometimes it can be gifts. Or they think that you are unable to hunt. hunt so for for they're yourself. trying <laughs> to teach you. Or they're hunting for you. Oh, yes. Yeah. All Either this time, my cat I just thought I was an idiot. Yeah. Either they yeah. think
0: you're incapable of hunting, <laughs> or they're thinking, okay, look, I caught this thing, now it's your turn.
4: <laughs> yeah. Not All right. him, buddy.
0: This is going to be the last
4: one. Yeah. All right. Isaac Newton invented the cat flop to stop his cat, Spithead, from opening the door to his dark room and running light sensitive experiments.
0: Wow. Okay, wait. Okay.
4: I need a repeat. Yeah. Okay. Isaac Newton invented the cat flap. Like the door flap thing. Yeah. Okay. okay. To stop Spithead. His cat Spithead from opening the door to his dark room and ruining light sensitive experiments. So the cat could come in, so, but it wouldn't.
3: Ru- ru- yeah. But wouldn't
0: okay, that I still interrupt a sure. dark room? No.
4: It, yeah. He made it to where you can lock it, I'm sure. Well, I was thinking of like, light to Or, like, maybe
0: it. if the cat went in in the bottom. Yeah, it's going to show maybe very little light. And oh, that's so interesting. He, Who names your cat Spithead? I know. I, I kind of like <laughs> it. I kind of like it. Get over your Spithead. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to name my husband that from now on. <laughs> 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 spithead. Mike, Come on. Yeah. Sir Mike Spithead. <laughs> yeah, it works perfect. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, thank you for joining in, and we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.